So today, today I get to talk about something outside the usual. Do you think there's some sins that can't be forgiven? Hmm, what a question. Can some, are some sins unforgivable? Have you ever been waiting patiently for a parking space at Walmart? And you see someone backing out near the front and... You know the Lord Himself has reserved this spot for you. You can feel it. You can feel it. A rainbow appears. A sunbeam comes down on this car backing out of this spot. And you say, praise the name of Almighty God, I've been given a parking space. And you're you're watching it. They're starting to back out. They're almost out, and you're starting to ease off your brake because you're going to get in there, and you can, you can already visualize yourself inside Walmart grabbing the last rotisserie chicken before someone else gets it, and um, you, just, you can feel it, and there you are. You're ready to get right in that space. The person is clear from the space, and from all, all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, this other car swoops into the space that you were waiting for. The space God gave you. And I'll put on my Dr. Phil voice for a moment. How does that make you feel? Would you be angry? Would you forgive someone for stealing the space that God himself reserved for you? Probably. Probably. It'd be tough. All right. Okay. 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 Here's another, here's another scenario. Suppose last night you went to your favorite restaurant and you ordered your favorite dish. And even though your mama said that you're a good eater, like my mama said to me, you couldn't finish your favorite dish. So you got a takeout box. And normally maybe you're not a leftovers kind of person, but this is an exception. These are so good. And you know they're in the refrigerator and you're looking forward to them all day. You go to work or go wherever where you've, you've got to go and you're thinking about it all day. You ever had leftovers so good you think about them all day? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And you're just thinking, man, when I get home, whew, them leftovers, I'm going to get in those leftovers. It's going to be good stuff. So you get home and you've got stuff. You've got to set your things down. You've got to go take care of a few responsibilities and, and the anticipation is growing right because this whole time you're just thinking of these mouth-watering leftovers whatever it is it's your favorite thing and it's probably from the mexican restaurant rio grande's got great leftovers and they're good when you warm them up the next day and you're thinking about these leftovers and finally the time has come and you wrench open the refrigerator and you see nothing you don't see your leftovers that styrofoam box isn't there now you look behind the milk because sometimes things disappear behind the milk all right you look behind the milk but your leftovers aren't there you look behind the eggs but all you find is a sticky spot where that leaky pickle jar was that's all that's there you look on every shelf and then a sneaking suspicion begins to creep over you and your eyes narrow in disgust as you consider what may have been perpetrated against you You march over to the trash can, you lift the lid, and there it is, plain as day. The styrofoam box with your initials in crisp Sharpie. Someone has had the audacity, the gall, to eat your leftovers. 
and did and were so brazen they didn't even bother to hide other hide it under other trash. It's just right there on top. Is that forgivable? Mmm. Mmm. That person, yeah, the person who ate your leftovers was probably me. Will you forgive me? Of course not, because that's unforgivable. Maybe. Ah, you could probably forgive someone after a while. All right, one more. Just one more scenario. Suppose the Lord has blessed your family with a child, a beautiful child, just as precious as you ever dreamed, a little boy with big brown eyes and chubby cheeks, and your spouse, the love of your life, the apple of your eye, she for whom you would would kill or be killed, fair warning, that she puts that little boy, your only, chi- your only son, in a green onesie with a Philadelphia Eagles logo on it. <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. It's right there with the Cowboys, barely a rung above. And then, and then, it's, oh, it's not over. It gets more horrible. Then your beloved spouse proceeds to take pictures of your child in this Philadelphia Eagles hoodie. And then share those pictures on social media that the whole world would know the scandal and the shame. <laughs> Is such a monstrous act forgivable? Well, I hope so. I haven't gotten over it yet, but by the power of God, by the grace of God, I'll get over it. The one saving grace is Katie is originally from New Jersey, and her her dad grew grew up an Eagles fan, and I will let that pass. Had it been a Cowboys onesie, I would say the amount of counseling that would be required would be astounding. We got through it, though. We got through it. So... (laughs) That, those are fun. And it would be great if, if those were the only things that were kind of unforgivable. But uh, there are some offenses that, that feel much more unforgivable than that. We can probably think of some sins that we would have a hard time forgiving ourselves. Things like you know, murder and sexual assault and certain types of abuse and betrayal. Horrible crimes Um, For me, anybody who mistreats a child or an elderly person or someone with a disability or someone who cannot advocate for themselves, that makes me fighting mad. If you hear about me going to jail, it's probably because of beating up somebody who was being mean to one of those folks. Um, I get fighting mad. You have your list, don't you? You have your list of things that are super hard to forgive, maybe unforgivable by most measures and i just bet you've had some things done to you or to people that you care about that seem pretty unforgivable that you're not sure how you're ever going to get over it and you wonder if the pain will ever go away what about god though god's ability to forgive is greater than ours yes but are there some sins so bad even god won't forgive now we can think of some stuff that we think maybe God shouldn't forgive. But is there something that God cannot forgive? 
Now, my first instinct is to say, hey, no way, no way, the blood of Jesus can cover any sin. And that's true. Yet, the Gospels mention something we call the unforgivable sin or unpardonable, cannot say the word, help me out, unpardonable sin. Pardon me for my unpardonable pronunciation. That's a tough one. Let's go with unforgivable. Can I just say unforgivable for the rest of the message to spare both of us from the embarrassment? Me from the first-hand embarrassment and you from the cringe of hearing me try. Could there be a sin that the blood of Jesus does not get the chance to cover? Ooh. When, the people, when people set out to read the Bible for themselves, they'll get to this passage. We're in Mark chapter 3, starting at verse 28, but this story is also in Matthew and in Luke, and, and we see this thing that is called the unforgivable sin. And it can make you feel a little disturbed, because hold on, if there's a sin that's unforgivable, could I do that? Could I cross that line and no longer be able to be forgiven? That's a good question. I've met some people who feel like they've committed the unpardonable sin. Hey, I said it right. Y'all hear that? There it is. The unforgivable sin. But we're going to go straight to the Bible. I've heard lots of opinions about what the unforgivable sin is. Um, Instead of getting people's opinions, let's just go to the Word. I like that. I think that's the way to go. And we're going to see the unforgivable sin might not quite be what you imagine it to be. So I'm going to read Mark verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 28 through 30, and I'm going to stop and pray for us, and then we'll take a look at it. Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness but is subject to eternal condemnation because they said he has an unclean spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, such a big topic. Please speak to us now. Give us understanding. I pray, Lord, please fill me with your spirit that I can communicate this in the way that pleases you. And and please fill each heart, touch each heart this morning that they may receive. In Jesus' name, amen. So verse 28 He begins by saying, assuredly, I say unto you. Other translations might say, verily, I say unto you, or truly, I say unto you, or I tell you the truth. This is a phrase that Jesus uses in the Gospels to show us that what comes next is really, really important, and we need to to catch this. When you see that phrase, you need to lay down any distraction, and you need to zoom in right on that. Assuredly, I say unto you, all sins will be forgiven. Thank God for that. Thank God, without the forgiveness that comes through Jesus, we would be in deep, deep trouble. There's nobody who has not sinned. Nobody. We're all in trouble when God keeps score. There's nobody who does not have some sin they continue to struggle with. Even sweet little old ladies who've loved Jesus forever aren't perfect yet. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what Romans says, Paul in the book of Romans. Now I realize in 2022, almost 2023, sin feels like an outdated word and a relic of the puritanical past. And modern people believe they have evolved past such things as sin and righteousness. But when you look around the world, 
and we've stopped calling stuff sinful, does it seem to have made the world better? Not really. Label it however you want to label it. Sin is destructive. You see, God giving us standards of right and wrong is not Him power tripping and just wanting to be the boss and making arbitrary rules. These are guardrails to keep you from driving off a cliff because that's what will happen. If sin gets in your life and it sets up and it grows and it grows, it will slowly kill all the good things in your life. And that is true whether you claim to be a follower of Jesus or not. If sin gets a stronghold in your life, it will start destroying things. Everything you hold dear will eventually fall to this thing if you let it grow. So when, when God sent Jesus to offer forgiveness, it, it wasn't Him just having a Savior complex. He really was the Savior to save us from ourselves and our own bad decisions and, and sins to cleanse our hearts and give us a new path. If there's sin in your life, it will eat at you. And you may know what it's like to wrestle with, with a lot of guilt. I certainly know what it's like. But guilt can prompt you to seek redemption. Guilt will eat you up. It's not really a good thing if it doesn't lead to somewhere productive. But it can prompt you to, to seek reconciliation in Jesus. It's much, much worse if you can sin and it doesn't bother your conscience. You know some, something bad has happened then. If it doesn't bug your conscience anymore, ooh, that's way more serious than struggling with guilt. Now Jesus said something else. He added to this, he said, whoever blasphemes, whatever blasphemies a person may utter, they will be forgiven. Blasphemy is not a word that you hear a lot these days. That, you think of the word blasphemy as connected to like old period dramas like from the past and you got some, some guy in a clerical robe saying someone has been blasphemy, blaspheming or something or, or maybe um, in connection with, with Islam there are a lot of blasphemy laws on the books in Islamic countries. Um, so, but here in our culture we don't hear that a lot, at least not in any sort of a meaningful context. But uh, broadly speaking, blasphemy is mocking or insulting a god or a religion. In some places, you can be killed for that. In certain countries, particularly in Islamic countries, if, if you blaspheme, you, you could lose your life if you say something against Allah or the Quran. Um, in ancient Israel, where the worship of Jehovah God was such a central part of their identity to mock or insult God was considered a, a terrible, terrible crime. Now, it wasn't always that way. If you look at the history of Israel in the Old Testament, there's times when they get way over into idolatry. And, but when Jesus came along, they had finally left their idolatry behind. They didn't have everything sorted out, but it was a comparatively spiritual time in the history of Israel compared to most of their history. So blasphemy was considered a very serious thing, and they would accuse Jesus of blasphemy from time to time. And it was not a light thing like you see in a movie and you know, some, some uh, over-the-top, end-of-days straw man of a Christian accusing their neighbors of blaspheming. It's not like that. This was very serious. When I was growing up, what was explained to me first probably as the definition of blasphemy was using the Lord's name in vain. Anybody else hear that? Using the Lord's name in vain was considered blasphemy. And fair enough, I, I think that would be insulting. Um, most, most people who use the Lord's name in vain aren't thinking that part through. 
It's, it's an expression. It's something that comes out when someone is, is mad or when they're just not, just not considering the weight of it. Um, certainly we should not use the Lord's name as a cuss word or as uh, an interjection when we're surprised or upset. Or, you know, that's a, that's a bad idea. Okay. If, if there's a God out there, I'm not even saying that you follow him, but if there's a God out there, you probably want to be on his side. Fair enough? Yeah. Makes sense. I'm not saying you've got to buy into everything to, to get this far, but if there's a God, we want him on our side. <coughs> or you don't want to insult him. Makes sense. Um, a lot of people say that blasphemy is the unforgivable sin, and there's certainly a connection here. If you use God's name in a disrespectful way or in a mindless way, does that mean you're lost forever? Oh, goodness, if it, if it is... If that's true, we're in trouble. But I don't think we're going to see that once we really dig into this. Still, should you misuse God's name? No, don't. Don't do it. It's a bad idea. Bad idea. Um, what about if you get mad at God and you say some things towards God that uh, aren't respectful or maybe angry or even use some cuss words when you're talking to God? And if you have never got mad at God or that mad at God, I'm, tell me how you do it. Because the fact is, everyone is going to get mad at God sometimes. Because there are some expectations that we may have, and when God does not seem to meet those expectations, it's upsetting. However, most of the time, the problem wasn't with God so much as our expectations. We had expectations. So, you know, you can get this impression that, hey, just follow Jesus and everything in your life will be easy. Not true. Not true. He did not promise that. And if you follow Jesus for an easy life, you're following him for something he did not promise. But everyone's going to have times when they're mad at God. And that doesn't have to be a deal breaker. It's where you go from there. If you get mad at God, then you work it through and you get to a deeper level of understanding. I'm convinced that a lot of people are mad at God and they don't even realize that's who they're mad at. It's just coming out in other ways. They seem mad at everything in the whole world, but what they're really mad at is God. There's probably somebody listening to this right now whose anger is really towards God. But talk to him about it. Talk to God about it. God can handle your anger. God is, God is not this, this sort of touchy person who you can't talk to about the things that you think and feel. God gets it. He already knows. Anyway, it's, the conversation would not be for his benefit so much as yours. So, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and, and we could probably imply there, for all have blasphemed as well. We've all had times where we have not been respectful towards God. But if we have been disrespectful towards God at some point, does that mean we have committed the unforgivable sin? Good question. This was death penalty, and stu death penalty stuff in ancient Israel. Yet Jesus says, even whatever blasphemies a person utter, utters will be forgiven. Even disrespect and mockery towards God will be forgiven if we turn to Jesus. That's amazing. That's awesome. And yet there is an exception here. Verse 29. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Ah, there it is, the unforgivable sin. The unforgivable sin is not wearing camo cargo shorts with a Hawaiian shirt. 
even though early in my marriage, that was sort of implied that I was committing unpardonable fashion crimes. And you know what? We had a camera back then. We can verify that. Thank you, Katie, for straightening my wardrobe out. Now I've just got this exquisite recreate hoodie. Hoodies are very flattering. Love hoodies so much. You can't tell how fluffy I am under this hoodie. Thank you, Jesus, for my new hoodie. The unforgivable sin has to do with blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean exactly? Is that some, saying something um, disrespectful or untrue about the Holy Spirit? The author gives us some clarification in verse 30. Verse 30 adds, because they said he has an unclean spirit. That points us back to what happened immediately before this. You have to read back just a little bit. Um, remember the story that came before. Jesus was casting out evil spirits. And the religious leaders called the scribes, they claimed that, yes, he was casting out evil spirits, but he was doing so in the power of the devil. He was, cast, he was fighting the devil in the power of the devil. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record this same event. And this teaching about the unforgivable sin always comes in the context of that accusation that Jesus was casting out Satan with the power of Satan. That, that Jesus' power was, came from the devil and not from God. Now, the religious leaders saw what Jesus was doing, which was clearly the work of God, done in the power of God. To say that it was unclean and evil and from the devil, that represented something much darker than, than misusing the name of God when you hit your finger with a hammer bad idea again but this we're talking about something on a, another level they had every reason to recognize jesus for who he was who he is their job was to make handwritten copies of the scriptures that's what the scribes do when you see the scribes in the gospels that's their job these are the people who make the handwritten copies because the printing press would not be invented for more than another thousand years so every single copy had to be handwritten that's what these guys did nobody knew the scriptures better than them and yet, they didn't get it. They knew the scriptures. They saw the signs. They knew the signs. They should have recognized Jesus for who he was. They should have been pointing other people to him as the long-awaited Messiah. But instead, they responded to his miracles with jealousy and said, Nah, it's the, he's doing it with the devil's power. And they wanted to have him killed. They came face to face with Jesus. It's not as if they couldn't see the truth. They didn't want to see the truth. They, they called the truth a lie. They saw Jesus' love and compassion and mercy and power and authority. The Holy Spirit was showing them the good news about Jesus, yet they rejected it. It wasn't a one-time rejection either. Um, the grammar here suggests a, a continual rejection, that, that the truth was before them and they continually rejected it they were entrenched it wasn't that they didn't have enough information to be convinced it was that no amount of proof would convince them have you met people like that that no amount of proof will convince them that they're wrong we've been people like that sometimes i'm sure the folks in our lives would tell us that that we would not change our minds even in the face of truth there was there was no hope for these people, not because Jesus could not give them hope, but because they rejected the hope that Jesus gave. I wish, I wish human nature was different, but it isn't. 
All this time, we're so modern now, and human nature has not changed. For most people, once they take a position, no amount of evidence will change their minds, and, and we're not immune from that. We can get entrenched. We can be just as blind as these scribes were who refused to see the truth that was staring right into their eyes. Imagine someone dying of thirst, and someone hands them a bottle of water, and they won't take it because it's not Evian water. Or Voss water. What's another fancy water? Perry, Voss water, I don't know. We drink uh, whatever food line has that's the cheapest. Yeah. Great value. <laughs> we are a great value family. Or uh, whatever the food line. What's the food line one? It's just food line. Yeah, it's just whatever, you know. <laughs> Someone said one time, hey, you remind me a little bit of that Stephen Furtick guy on TV. He's like, uh, not really. I'm maybe the great value version. <laughs> I don't know. Like, okay, whatever, whatever, you know. But dying of thirst and won't take it. Um, those of you who have raised children, have you ever had a child just cry in the car? I'm so thirsty. And you hand them a bottle of water and I don't want that water. You're not thirsty enough, buddy. She grew up where I did. We drank water out of a stump. Actually, my dad did tell me that. Dad probably did drink some stump water, like rainwater in a stump, which explains a lot. It explains a lot. We, uh, I upgraded to, any of you, okay, where's my country kids at? Who grew up country, like country, country? Are you so country you ever drank out of a creek directly? Okay. Are you so country? Leave your hand up if you're so country you ever drunk out of a creek that was in a cow pasture with cows in it. Son? Really, son? Yeah, okay. This, some of y'all just thank you, country. If you, if you ain't ever drunk out of a creek where Bessie's handiwork is floating by, you ain't country, son. You ain't country. Like when I was in school, we used to call them the Roper Rednecks because they wore the Ropers and the Wranglers, but they actually didn't know anything about being country. They just looked apart. Anyway, that is a segue that I did not intend to follow. But you can see, thirsty, but they don't want that water. Imagine someone drowning in an ocean and a lifeguard comes out to save them. And they refuse the lifeguard's help, help because they don't like his haircut. Frosted tips, what is it, 2002? Go back to the, get on your, your thing. Katie tried to talk me into getting frosted tips back in those days. Can you imagine? There would be pictures that exist of that. My haircut was bad enough. I looked like the, the member of the Backstreet Boys who just didn't cut it and who was really sad and then just went to the buffet and lived there after the auditions. That's what it, don't look, their pictures, they're bad. I had bangs down to my nose. It was bad. It was bad. Those do not exist on social media and will not, please. But you see, the problem with these scribes is it wasn't even that. It wasn't though they were thirsty and wouldn't take the water. It wasn't though they were drowning and they, they wouldn't take the, the, the rescue. It's just, if you'd ask them, they'd say, no, nah, I'm good, I'm I don't need any water. I don't need any rescuing. I'm good just like I am. They could not see their need. Yes, they were drowning. 
Yes, they were thirsting to death, but they could not see the need of it. They didn't realize they needed it. They, or they, they would not admit that they needed it. They, they, they did not believe they needed what Jesus had to offer. The Holy Spirit was telling them they needed Jesus, but they rejected that message. They swore, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's the devil who's bringing that message. That was their blasphemy. The Holy Spirit was pointing them to Jesus, and they were calling the Holy Spirit a fraud and a liar. That's why their sin was unforgivable, not because they could not be forgiven, but because they refused the forgiveness that was offered. C.S. Lewis says there's two types of people. Those who say to God, your will be done. And those to whom God says, your will be done. In other words, if you push the truth of God away long enough, he might say, okay, have it your way. It's not that God is rejecting a person. It's a person rejecting God. And there is nothing so terrible as having pushed the truth of God away to the point where he grants your wish and leaves you alone. That's tough stuff right there. The scribes had the evidence right in front of them. The Holy Spirit was showing them the truth, but they declared the messages from the Spirit to be from Satan, the deceiver. So please hear me. The unforgivable sin isn't maybe what you think it isn't using god's name in a disrespectful way although you certainly shouldn't do that but it can be forgiven it isn't even getting mad and cussing at god that's a bad idea yes but forgivable the unforgivable sin isn't even those crimes that we consider to be the worst kind of crimes that one person can commit against another awful absolutely no excuse but even those can be forgiven. Ultimately, the unforgivable sin is refusing forgiveness. That's it. Every sin brought to Jesus will be forgiven. But if you don't come for forgiveness, you don't get it. Now let's deal with the, with the but what abouts. Because I'm going to make a statement like that. The unforgivable sin is refusing forgiveness. And you're going to say, but, but what about? But what about? All right, here's one of them. But what about the people who do really bad things? Like really, really, really bad things. Now you have your list, right, of these really bad things. And we may imagine that God has a list too. And, and um, the, all the lists of all the sins ranked from worst to, to least you know, up here, the, just the terrible, terrible things. And, and down here is like wearing Crocs with socks. All right? That's actually not a sin. I just don't, I don't understand. You got your Crocs on? No socks. Okay, you're good. You're good. Some of y'all are Crocs people. And some of y'all can whoop me. So I'm not going to go after the Crocs. But anyway, we imagine that somewhere on that list there's like a line drawn across. And all the sins above that, they're the extra, extra naughty bad sins and the ones below they're 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 better they're not as bad they're bad but they're not like so bad and everybody who is above the line oh you got no chance but we generally view ourselves as being on the list but somewhere down below that line usually usually somewhere below the line they say yeah i'm not perfect but i'm i'm not that bad i'm not bad that bad hey we live in appalachia you all know somebody who's really in a bad place in their life it's like I ain't like my neighbor cooking meth. You know, we can always say that. Everybody's got a neighbor cooking meth in Appalachia. If you don't know who that neighbor is, they're there. You just don't know. 
it's, it's, you know, that's where we're at. So you can always like point to somebody, but that's not the way it works. Um, that's not how God sees sin. All sin is sinful in the eyes of God. Yes, some sins have worse consequences on earth. If you murder someone, it's going to have worse con- consequences than if you tell a lie, most likely. Yes, there's some sins that cause much more damage, much more grief. But we should not imagine God holding up a tape measure and seeing who's too sinful for forgiveness. All sin is a violation of God's truth. If God kept score, none of us makes it. Nobody gets a pass. Nobody measures up. Nobody makes a grade. We're uncomfortable with the idea that God would forgive the most awful offenses, but at the same time, we forget just how bad we need forgiveness ourselves. We miss how many times we've crossed the line and how far we've crossed the line. Every sin that's brought to Jesus can be forgiven. It's true that that some people might seem like they're too far gone to be forgiven. And there's the, the evidence of the Scriptures is that at some point that would be true. But we don't know. We don't get to decide. You don't get to look at that person who's made your life really hard or bad and say, God can't forgive them. You don't get to make that decision. Only God knows who is beyond forgiveness. All right, that's the one of the but what ifs. Well, here's another one. But but what about but what about when I feel forgive unforgivable? What about when I feel unforgivable? If you're like me, you might wrestle with some times where you feel like you're too messed up for God to fix. Did you wrestle with so much guilt? What about then? What about when we feel so dirty and so broken that we're not even sure God can make us clean and whole and fix us? When people hear about the unforgivable sin. It's an honest worry to wonder if they've done something unforgivable. But good news, if you're struggling with some guilt, it is not a sign that you have committed the unforgivable sin. As a matter of fact, um, in this story, did you see any of these people accusing Jesus, the people who had committed the unforgivable sin? Did you see any of them who seemed to feel bad about it? Did they seem to have any remorse or guilt or repentance? No. The fact that you are wrestling or feeling uncomfortable with it is, is not a sign that you are unforgivable. It is a proof that you have one of the essential ingredients for receiving forgiveness. In order to be forgiven, you need to have a heart that, need, that needs it, that knows they need it. A heart that realizes they need forgiveness. So instead of wallowing in that guilt, bring it to Jesus. He's able and He's willing to give you a fresh start And I believe with all my heart, the Scripture tells us that once we have joined the family of God, we don't get kicked out. But day to day, you're probably going to have to come to God and say, hey, I don't feel good about these actions that I've taken. Lord, please forgive me. Or, you know, hey, Lord, I got real mad there a while ago. Please forgive me. Please help me not to do that. Or, you know, Lord, I really am struggling today. I need your help today. Every day, you're going to have to be talking to God about the stuff. You know, you have someone, you know, your, your child, and there's, They're always your child, but there may be days that relationship isn't what it needs to be. We have to daily be talking to God. The relationship doesn't get severed by sin. Praise Jesus, because we'd be in trouble. But I don't want any distance between me and my God. I don't want sin to be a wedge between me and the Lord. People say, ah, you don't know that preacher. I've messed up too much. Romans 5.20. Romans 5.20 says, moreover, the law entered the defense may abound, but where sin abounded, where sin abounded, grace abounded much 
more. Psalm 103.12 says, The Lord removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. Infinitely far. You can be forgiven of whatever you've done. Ah, but then there's one more. One more, but what abouts? But what about the things I can't forgive? It feels impossible to forgive some people. I bet you could make a list of people who have done things to you or to someone you care about that feels pretty unforgivable. People who have betrayed or abused or used or neglected. It feels impossible to let that go. And if you told me your list, I think I'd be on your side. I think I'd hear what you have to say about the people who have treated you in unforgivable ways and I'd say, oh, well, yeah, I get it. That was, yep, yep. I don't think you can forgive that either. Except, with God's help. There are some things that are, humanly speaking, impossible to forgive on your own. But God can help us forgive. I've seen people forgive stuff that is so unforgivable. To forgive people who have hurt them in ways that are indescribable. You're going to say, ah, but they don't deserve forgiveness. Maybe they don't. But don't you deserve to be free from it? They may not deserve to be free for what they have done to you, but don't you deserve to be free from, from what they've done to you? Forgiveness isn't letting people off the hook. It's trusting God to take care of it. You know, because if you take care of it, you might serve a little time. You don't want to do that. Prison food's rough. Last time I ate prison food, it cost me my gallbladder. If you're ever in prison and the other prisoners say, hey, you don't want to eat that, it'll make you sick. Listen to them. They know what they're talking about. Here's a good way to remember it. The prisoner forgiveness sets free is me. Put yourself in that spot. When it comes down to it, the only unforgivable sin is refusing forgiveness. The blood never gets the chance to cover something we won't put before the cross. Jesus came to make a way for even the worst stains to be washed clean. In this story, the religious leaders committed the unforgivable sin by refusing the evidence that the Holy Spirit was putting in front of them about forgiveness in Jesus. So what, what is your story? Do you have something that needs to be forgiven? Something between you and God? Or are you holding on to some something that, that you need to let go of? Holding on to unforgiveness? Lift that stuff to Jesus because only the sins that are given to Jesus can be forgiven. So I don't, I don't know all your stories. I, I know enough of some of your stories to know you've got, some, you've got some things that are way too big for anybody to carry. But God can carry them. You've got some things that are way too big for anybody to forgive or let go of, but God can. He can and He can help you. So just take a moment. If it's a little uncomfortable, is there anything between you and God that you have not taken care of? Anything you have not confessed? Anything that is in your life that you know is bad for you and you want it gone? Let's give that to the Lord right now. Just give it to Him right where you're at listening to this. Lord Jesus, take this thing Take this thing and forgive me and change me. What about the things you have not let go of? The things people have done to you 
the way they've hurt you? Is there something there, some unforgiveness that is lingering? Give it to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, take it because I can't deal with it. You can take it, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. And if you've got some anger towards God today, maybe it's time to recognize that's what it is and that's what it's been all along. Give that to Him. Say, Lord, I'm angry about this. What about it? And let Him speak to your heart. You will be surprised what He does. Our Father in heaven, we give you these things. We give you the times when we feel unforgivable. We give you the times when people have done unforgivable things. We know in the power of Jesus, all sin that is brought to you can be covered by the blood, washed away, washed clean. And I pray you'll do that for us today. God, give us the freedom that comes with forgiveness. Forgiveness for ourselves and the power to forgive others. Lord, we give it to you. And we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Whew. Thank you for being a part of this today. And I, I pray the Lord will be working in these areas. Next week, uh, we'll come back and, and we're going to continue our study in the book of Mark. I'm so glad to have you here today. Uh, pick up a t-shirt. Pick up a t-shirt. Um, the t-shirts are free. As always, my requirement for the t-shirts is if you're wearing a Recreate t-shirt, be nice to people. If you have to be mean to people, first pray about that. Talk to God about that. But if you're going to be mean to somebody, you better turn that t-shirt inside out. Because I'll hear about it. Yeah, eat some cookies. There's so many cookies and cupcakes and cute little things over there. Help a brother out. This hoodie is only so big. If I take all that with me. It's going to be bad for me and for everybody. But, uh, yeah, enjoy that. Once again, the hoodies the hoodies will cost you a little bit. The T-shirts are free. Just be nice to people while you're wearing them. God bless you all. Thank you for being a part of this. I'm going to turn you loose. We'll see you next week.